Hello, everyone. On today's Catholic News podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a bishop I haven't actually interviewed before, which is a great joy for me. And we're going to talk about a subject that's close to my heart as a family man, close to many of your hearts, I'm sure, because we're discussing the elderly and the role of grandparents. Now, Pope Francis has given us a new annual day to raise up grandparents and the elderly, and that will be celebrated on Sunday, the 25th of July. Now, who better to talk to me about this than the chair of the Bishop's Conference Committee for Marriage and Family Life, and that's Bishop David Oakley, who I should also say is the Bishop of Northampton. So, uh, Bishop David, how are you? I'm fine, James, and how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And it's a pleasure. It's been the first time we've spoken in this capacity, isn't it? Indeed, indeed it is. Well, a good topic, and I think probably a topic close to many of us, really. And Pope Francis, as you know, he, he as an elderly gentleman, is, is quick to acknowledge the challenges facing older people. Uh, he's very close to them. But they have very rich lives and experiences, don't they? And, and much to pass on. So I'd just like to start by asking you how you would assess the value of that generation to both society and the church. That's a good question, James. I think that um, the uh, elderly have a lot of life experience and not necessarily, but quite often a lot of wisdom that goes with that experience. And they they are full of stories. I love to hear the stories of the elderly. When I meet older people in parish communities, as I'm able to do now that uh, the restrictions are easing and we're able to get out and about, I I, I love to hear the, the older people tell me stories about the history of the parish and what happens? So yesterday I was in a, a little parish community in our diocese um, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the church. Some of the old people were telling me about the priest who built the church and all the people who were involved. And most of them have gone to God now. But they were they were talking about them as though this was just yesterday. It was so real to them and so close to them. And I think that's a wonderful thing about um, the elderly. They have this great rich inheritance of experience. And sadly, our society doesn't always value that. Uh, Within a a utilitarian ethic structure, often the elderly are seen to be useless and past it and not able to contribute to the material well-being of our society. And that's a real problem to me and a real danger because the elderly have so much to offer. Far from being past it, they're very much in the immediate sense, the gatekeepers to our narrative, our story, our tradition, our history. And what can be more important for the young people than that? Because young people need to have a sense of who they are within that perspective. And uh, thank goodness there are so many elderly people, women and men of faith and real awareness of the beauty of uh, God's word and uh, what the Lord has done uh, in salvation history and uh, that they are part of that. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that's an inter- brings us on to an interesting point, because if society as a whole perhaps you know, doesn't value older people as it should. Do you think we do in the church or is there more for us to do on that level? I think there is more for us to do on that level. But if we go back to the beginning of our Judeo-Christian tradition, it starts with an old man. 
Abraham, who becomes Abraham, who was possibly thinking to himself that he might just settle down, stop the nomadic life and build himself a nice detached tent for him and his wife, Sarah, to live in. And, uh, and there we are. God suddenly calls him to become our father in faith with the new uh, invitation to journey from Ur in Chaldea, modern-day Iraq, I think, towards Canaan. So he had to go westwards, and all that happened to him, which we read about in the book of Genesis, on that journey. And what we see is that Abraham, although he is a very old man, has a very lively and immediate faith, trusting in God, which becomes the pattern of faith down through the generations. So we we have that. I was just thinking then, too, about the gospel and that moment when uh, Mary and Joseph take the new infant Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord, as the law demanded. And who do they meet? Two elderly people there, Simeon, who has waited all his life for this, but recognises what God is doing in that moment. And Anna, an elderly woman, a widow who lived in the temple and um, is so full of life that when she meets the infant Christ, she just wants to tell everyone uh, about that. And I think in the church, we see this played out time and time again. We meet elderly people who have a real sense of faith and quite often a sense of adventure within that faith. Uh, They are open to what is happening. Just over the past 12 months, 15 months or so with the pandemic, everything's had to go online and um, we're all discovering how to use virtual platforms and uh, a bit of a steep learning curve, I have to say, (laughs) on on my part. Um, But I've been fascinated by some webinars that have been organised in our diocese here in Northampton and um, how many elderly people have been on those webinars discussing during the autumn weeks what would a church after COVID look like and more recently after Easter a whole series of webinars about uh, the Divine Renovation Initiative, Father James Mallon's initiative which is producing so much good fruit in some of our parishes now up and down the land and the thing that struck me more and more was how the experience and wisdom of the elderly was being brought to the way that they reflected upon those two issues of life in a church beyond COVID and in mission. In one sense, these are people who have seen it all before, but I I didn't notice any sense of weariness in their discourse or any sense of you know, oh, don't don't change things now. We're we're too old for that. On the contrary, they are so alive. And, and dare I say it, you mentioned at the beginning, James, Pope Francis, a man in, in his 80s now, but blowing us all away. That recent little uh, book, an interview he did, uh, and it's been published in the text, Let Us Dream. You know, it just blows my mind away to see the creative imagination and vision and excitement of Pope Francis uh, as he seeks to lead uh, the pilgrim people of God in our world today. And indeed, mentioning 
Pope Francis in in his letter to mark the the 25th of July, the day for the elderly and grandparents. He, of course, can't ignore the pandemic and the effect it's had on on all our lives, but very particularly the elderly, as you mentioned yourself. You know, they really have borne the brunt of this virus, I would say, either with deaths, hospitalisation, isolation, either at home or, or in care homes. They've suffered more than any other group, haven't they? How, in your experience, are our priests and communities ministering to and helping the elderly, if you like, sort of recover or, or into a sort of more welcomed situation where they can be with us again? Yes, this is a this is a, a very important area for us to consider, James, and I suspect not just now, but moving forwards into the future. And in, in a way, we are defined by our care and concern for the most vulnerable in our society, those who are weak. And if we are responding to the gospel invitation to build the kingdom of God, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, then we have to reach out to those who are vulnerable. And uh, of course, the elderly are par excellence in that group of people who are often on the edge of things and neglected perhaps in our society. But I have to say, and a lot of priests and people in this diocese, and, and I know in dioceses up and down the country would concur, a lot of good work has gone on. And I think it's been recognised even at um, government departmental level when there is a real appreciation for how people of faith have reached out to the elderly. And I, I know that a lot of elderly people have been very touched by that, not just by the mention of them and the prayer for them in online masses. I'm not very good at technology. I have to say, it takes my breath away to see how some of the elderly have been on an even steeper learning curve, getting computers in the first place, being assisted, it has to be said often by their uh, children and grandchildren in order to be able to attend mass online virtually. And they've been impressed by the way that the community has reached out to them in that way, but also by the practical ways in which uh, members of our Catholic communities uh, have done the shopping for them and have tried to do little jobs, you know, in a safe way. And I think this is really showing one of the strengths in our church at the moment. I think nearly every diocese now has a, a Caritas organisational network of activity. Uh, we're just getting going here in Northampton. And it's exciting to think how in all sorts of ways we can reach out to those who are in need and especially the elderly. Well, maybe the pandemic's helped, helped us prioritise and, and, and think again uh, about the elderly at this time. So, yes, it's been a challenge and it's been difficult, but, but maybe that is one of, one of the positives. Now, I did want to ask you a bit of a personal question. Yes. Can you remember and do you have fond memories of your own grandparents? Do you know, uh, I do, James. Uh, um, my, my parents have gone to God now and so my, my grandparents have definitely gone to God. But I always remember as a little boy visiting my mother's parents on Sunday afternoons in Stourbridge. And I have to tell you that it was a bit of a bore on one level. 
And it was only as I got older, I began to appreciate something about them because we, we, we would go over there on a Sunday afternoon. Of course, we were all threatened in, in, in many ways to, to behave ourselves in front of the grandparents, you know. But what fascinated me later was the memory of how my grandmother knew exactly when my grandfather wanted a cup of tea. It wasn't the same time every Sunday afternoon, but um, she, she would get up and go to the kitchen and make everyone a cup of tea because granddad wanted a cup of tea. And he knew exactly at certain times of the year when she was getting a little cold and uh, he would put the fire on, which was quite an exercise. It wasn't just a case of flicking a switch or, or, or lighting the gas, you know, it was quite a business sorting out a coal fire. And um, it, it always fascinated me that never a word was said between them. They just knew instinctively, such was the love that they had with each other. Mind you, having said that, there were times when they had a little tiff, if I can put it that way, and fell out with each other. But my grandmother made the most beautiful Sunday tea that I have ever eaten. She would always have tinned salmon sandwiches and uh, none of this posh smoked salmon stuff for them. But, you know, when we were kids, we thought that was the height of luxury, salmon sandwiches and Battenberg cake. I, I've asked a few confirmation groups in the past year whether they even know what Battenberg cake is. And it's funny, the kids look at you as, as though you've just landed off another planet. But the older people always nod. They know what Battenberg cake is. And uh, we, we just thought it was wonderful. Maybe I had a bit of a tough upbringing in my home, I don't know. But the grandparents were there. They, they gave us these little treats, you know. And sometimes we'd go and stay with them one by one. And I always, I always loved staying with them because we, we got really good food. Now, this is going to horrify people listening to this now, but big slabs of bread with beef, old-fashioned beef dripping on. And I had about three slices during the course of the day, besides my breakfast, lunch and supper. Wow. Yeah, they were good proper days. Treat. Proper they were treat. good ones. <laughs> uh, do you know, it's interesting because I'm thinking back to what you said a bit earlier on about the, the wonderful stories and the experiences shared. But you, you've just got me thinking a bit there that sometimes it was the example that they gave without having to speak, wasn't it? Just like you were saying about the instinctiveness and the sort of nature of their relationship on display, because you're quite close to your parents. And sometimes it's looking that generation above where you can sort of take it in a bit more and, and learn from it. And it occurs to me, but the, for most people, uh, I mean, life isn't perfect, so not for everybody, but, but for most people, and, and for a child, probably their first experience of death is likely to be the, the death of a grandparent, isn't it? So, you know, their first experience of loss and, and, and grief. How important a lesson do you think that is for, for the rest of their lives? That's a very interesting point, because I think we see a lot of death on our TV screens and on the big screen when we can get back to cinemas and so forth. But it's a kind of artificial business isn't it you know we see death on on the news very sad events uh, in war zones and collapsed buildings and such like and we see death in in fictional things you know in the movie world but i think when we lose a grandparent we're losing someone very close to us it's more personal and the sense of loss therefore 
is very real. I think also that it reminds us, or it reminded me when, when I first heard that my grandfather had died and my younger brother by then had spent a lot of time. He's a retired police officer, senior police officer. And so he, he's very good at the forensic side of things. And he, he'd looked and researched into our family tree. So we had a sense of where granddad fitted into that bigger picture. And when granddad went, I remember thinking, it's not going to be long now before it's our turn in the evolving story of, of the Oakley family. Bashford, in his case, my mother's maiden name, but it, it's going to be our turn next to carry on that story. So I think there's a great sense of uh, loss when we lose our grandparents and also an appreciation of what they've handed on to us, that we should treasure and carry forward the values that we, I think, begin to appreciate as we grow older. So finally, we do have this day, a fine thing it is too. And of course, we can think about St. Joachim and St. Anne, the parents of Our Lady, and obviously grandparents of Jesus in that sense. So I'm going to challenge you in a nutshell, if at all possible, to give a message to any older people and particularly grandparents that, that are listening. What would you say to them? Well, I would say, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your witness of faith. Thank you for your long fidelity to the church. You've seen the church over many years with all its ups and downs. And thank you indeed for what you have done and for what you continue to do. And pray for us. Sometimes when the elderly grandparents become frail and infirm, they can't always get to church and we have to visit them and take the sacraments to them. But I always used to call the elderly in my parish community the intensive prayer units. So when they when, when I went to visit them with Holy Communion, they would ask about the parish and I would say, well, could you pray for so-and-so? She's not doing very well at the moment. Or could you pray for the so-and-so family? And I've no doubt they did. So just to encourage them to realise that they have so much to contribute to the church, even if they're not able to get to Mass anymore, they can still play a huge role within the body of Christ through their prayerful intercession. That was wonderfully put. I, I love that intensive prayer unit. That's marvellous. Well, we, we should we should all ask them to pray for us, of course, as we indeed pray for them. So we do have this day on Sunday, the 25th of July, uh, the World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly. So let's celebrate our grandparents and our, and our elderly for all that they do for us. Bishop David Oakley, I thank you very much. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. No doubt we'll speak again soon because marriage and family life is a very big area. So <laughs> if you can give me some time in the future, I'd be very happy to speak again. I would be delighted to, James, and thank you for this conversation. Thanks, Father. God bless.